It is finally game week for the New Orleans Saints. We made it to week one. New Orleans will be taking on Green Bay in Jacksonville. I'm Aaron Summers, joined by J.D. DeShazer. I guess John DeShazer, J.D., however we want to call him right now. He is joining us in Fort Worth for the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Getting all settled there, getting ready to go to practice, see the Saints play at TCU. How are things going there in Texas? Uh, slow so far. Um, no activity today or Tuesday, but then um, the Saints will begin and earn it. I'm sure now they had a, they call it a bonus through today. So they did some work, some preparation on Green Bay. I'm sure they've done some uh, meal that new training camp. You can't wait until the week before uh, to go and start studying one of the most explosive offenses and one of the best players in NFL history in Aaron Rodgers. So you know, they did a bonus walkthrough today. I'm sure they'll probably be doing a little bit more work on Tuesday, even though it's an official off day. And then you really ramp up and jump into it on Wednesday for the team. I think everybody's just kind of gearing up, and, and they know that first game is going to be Thursday with the season over Dallas at Tampa Bay. So now it feels like the NFL season. We all enjoyed watching the college football season get underway last week. Lots of fun games there. I know everyone. Really looking forward to the NFL starting this week. And to help break down this week one game, we're bringing in Nick Underhill with New Orleans.Football. He's going to be there following the team right there with you, J.D. So we're going to break down his thoughts on this first game against Green Bay. Of course, always a pleasure to be joined by Nick Underhill, New Orleans.Football. I'll just call it the dot because – Nick is the guy who's on the spot with everything. Uh, But first, before we talk football, uh, we've got to talk something bigger because uh, when Nick puts out the call to action, uh, all all the dot, all the daughters come out in support. And so, you know, now he's in the midst of raising hurricane relief money. And that's been spectacular. I think his goal started out maybe at 10,000 and it went to 20,000. And now it's pushing on to 30,000, which is, is pretty incredible. So, so Machete, what 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 went into that process for you? Because I noticed one guy made a huge donation. It was not me, unfortunately, but one guy made a huge, significant donation. But what made you just decide to, to take that call to action? Yeah, so I'm not going to say his name. His name's on the page. I, he didn't tell me to put his info out there. So there is one very generous person. He hit me up. Um, you know, he, he worked as a Supreme Court clerk. He works at a big law firm now. Um, he hit me up. He said, hey, if you can get the other people on the site to raise $10,000, I'll match it. And we raised the $10,000 in like two hours. Um, he actually put up his 10,000 to match it. And we're still rolling now. We're at, I think, coming up on 24,000. You'd like to get it to 30. Uh, there's a pinned tweet on my Twitter page, Nick underscore Underhill. Go on there, click donate, uh, Second Harvest Food Bank. They'll make good use of the money and get it to uh, where it needs to go. But yeah, I can't take credit for it, man. Uh, we just got a, an incredible community of people on the website. And when things happen, you know, they tend to step up and all I do is send the tweets and everybody else kind of does the action. So good on uh, saints fans, people that read our website and, you know, it, it's, it's always moving just to see how everybody steps up in uh, these times of need. No, you can take some credit for it. And, and second harvest is actually fantastic. I've had dealings with them through my church. Uh, so I'll give them a, uh, an unprompted uh, pat on the back because they are actually excellent at what they in terms of distribution and the volume of what they distribute is really impressive i've unloaded one of those uh one of those trailers before and 
it feels like a magician's hat. It feels like you just <laughs> out all day long. So, so kudos to them and kudos to you also. Um, now we get to the football thing because, you know, you're in Texas along with the Saints. Um, they finally um, kind of solidified the roster somewhat. There's still some, some machinations going on. But, you know, I, I saw a tweet of yours today uh, in which I thought was really relevant where uh, you said one of the concerns you have for this team is, is the quarterback position. Um, they labeled it a must, no less than Sean Payton said, this is a must position. And yet it was not a position that they addressed uh, during training camp and, and during the preseason. Now, of course, you know, these guys don't just fall off trees, but, you know, they didn't do much of anything to address that position. So what are your thoughts on specifically that quarterback position? So I, I think the, the three listed needs for me, I would rank them as cornerback, defensive tackle, wide receiver. And I think you saw some answers at cornerback and answers at wide receiver that make you feel a little bit better about those spots than you did going into camp. But yeah, I mean, if something goes wrong with Ken Crawley and Paulson Adebo isn't ready, you're, you're out of guys. Like now you're pulling PJ Williams down the, the cornerback. They'd rather have him play at safety. And they labeled it as a must. They stuck with calling it a must all through training camp when Patrick Robinson retired. It was again called a must, and nothing has really happened since then. So I think that there's some big questions there. And, you know, Ken Crawley's not practicing right now, so we don't even know if he's going to be available week one. So you might already be on Paulson Adebo, who I thought had a good camp, had a good uh, preseason. But it's a little bit different when you get into actual games and people are studying you and they're scheming and they're, they're finding your weaknesses, and you're called to stop Devontae Adams. That's that's a big ask. I mean, Marshawn will probably be on him most of the game, but, you know, if not, that that's scary. Going against Aaron Rodgers as opposed to, you know, Trevor Lawrence and, and McSorley is, is a little bit different. So those tests for Crawley, if he plays, or Debo if he plays, are going to be significant. And defensive tackle, they're down their top two guys. And now you got three undrafted players. Malcolm Roach looked good. Christian Ringo had moments. Shy Tuttle's been good at times. But that's a huge loss going from David Onyemata to those guys. So I think there, there's big questions on defense that they still need to answer. There's a path to where all three of those positions work out okay, but there's a path where things could go a little bit wrong. And if you get the wrong answers at two, two out of the three, I think things get a little bit harder early in the season. When you look at that cornerback position, does that put extra pressure, I guess, on maybe Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, P.J. Williams, two guys who've, who've kind of been hybrid guys for them, you know, slot corner. But does that put a little bit extra on those two guys? Yeah, and I think, you know, honestly, I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's really a cornerback and, and not really a safety. 98% of his snaps are yeah. in the slot. And we call Brian Pohl a cornerback. He plays all his snaps in the slot. So I kind of lump him in there with that that group. Yeah, there's pressure on him. I think the real pressure is on, on Lattimore, and he needs to be the player that looks like a Hall of Famer every single week, and he needs to take that pressure off of the safeties, allow them to roll coverage a little bit more towards Adebo or Crawley and really locked on his side of the field the way we know he can. So I, I think the other veteran players, all of them are, are, are on notice. Everybody in the secondary needs to kind of be at their best just to kind of help that other spot. And they have the talent there to kind of hide it a little bit if Lattimore is consistent and he does his thing every single week. So, I mean, there are ways around it. It's just there's a lot of questions on answer to the spot where they've felt there was additional need for talent and they, they never quite got it. What are your thoughts on what this team might look like offensively with Jameis Winston at quarter, quarterback? I know you, you know, you wrote a nice article on uh, New Orleans South football, um, but what are your thoughts about what they might look like as opposed to what they have looked like with Jameis Winston? 
we already saw some changes right away in the preseason. Marquez Callaway's first touchdown. That's not a play that they're running with Drew Brees where you you got two routes going and you're waiting until it's 20, 25 yards down the field for the safety to, to uh, declare where he's going and then throw into the other guy. So, I mean, that that's one example right away right there. I think another thing we're going to see is probably a lot more play action. We saw some tendencies towards that in the, uh, the preseason. The last two years, the Saints have been right around 100 snaps of play action. And you look at teams like Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay, who they're playing this week, all those teams are 200 snaps and above for those play action plays. And that just gives you a little bit more time to allow things to develop, let your receivers get downfield. And Winston has the arm to take advantage of that. Whereas with Breeze, the offense was a lot more condensed and, and confined to, to, you know, things that were seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yards, where I think Jameis can take the top off a little bit. So I think offensively overall, they're going to lean on that offensive line a lot, get shot plays, get the screen game going, run the ball a little bit more and kind of look for more, chunk explosive plays than they have in the past and look a lot of the concepts that went away after 2016 I think are going to make a comeback you know there were plays where and the players have talked about this before where some of the go routes started turning into deep crossing routes and things like that as the offense condensed a little bit to to cater to Breeze's arm strength and how it was declining a little bit and I think those things are just going to open up and go back to the way they were too so I think you're going to be more explosive you're going to see more big plays and it's just you know, it, it's just going to change a little bit and, and be more explosive and just overall, uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a little bit different, but not too, too different, but it, it is going to be different. Now, if, if anybody's done the background on this, it's you, because, you know, as everyone knows, Nick, Nick will like chart a guy's throws from like his, his junior high year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so from that, uh, when you see Jameis Winston, and it's only been preseason, does his decision-making look, different than from Tampa Bay yeah look I thought his best moment was an incomplete pass at third and 16 against uh Jacksonville he's looking down the field he's looking he's looking there's nothing there he throws a check down the check down's a little inaccurate it falls incomplete but those are the plays that you saw him try to make in Tampa Bay where things were bad and Jameis kind of would step up and be you know have this mentality where he's got to save the whole team and everything's on him to change it whereas here you see him doing that, eating it, going to the next set of downs, and, and you know, it is what it is. And we saw some of those things, I, I thought, in training camp, too. There weren't a lot of bad decisions. Maybe, you know, if you're if you're going through it, I thought there were maybe three or four plays where you kind of looked at James and said, hey, what are you doing? Like, where are you going with that ball? And that's not that uncommon. You know, when we were looking at Breeze before, there'd be practices where he'd throw three interceptions in one practice. So I thought James did a really good job of protecting the ball, making good decisions, being sound. The question is, is does he stay that way now that he's kind of got a little bit of leeway in the pressure of, of beating out this other guy is not him? I think we will. But, you know, I think that's somewhere we're going to have to see 250 passes really until you can kind of look at a big enough sample to say, OK, he's actually changed his way of thinking he's going to be more safe with the ball and do the right things. But all the early signs for that, I think, have been good and positive. To help Jameis Winston there on the offensive side, how much more of a factor does Alvin Kamara need to be in this offense, especially in game one? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Last year, I, I thought like one of the things they did best is they just gave the ball to Alvin and would say, hey, go get eight yards. And he'd mm -hmm. do it every single time. I don't think it's going to be that much different. I think they're going to lean on him quite a bit. I, the one thing I think with him is that his role could change a little bit more back to what he was like as a rookie. He took a lot of snaps out of the slot. He ran a lot more routes. He, you know, he was a borderline wide receiver at times that rookie season. In the last two years, is the offense kind of changed a little bit more and Breeze needed more help. 
they keep him closer to the line of scrimmage, keep him a viable check down option. And it would just kind of allow that safety net for Breeze to get the ball out really quick and, and Alvin to go do his thing. So I think he'll still get his touches and they're going to have to lean on him a lot those first six weeks. I mean, I, I think that the offense will need to kind of go through him and be based off of Alvin. And really that should be the case probably all year, even when Mike Thomas comes back. I think Alvin's kind of ascended to that spot where he needs to be the guy, the identity, the uh, offense. And I don't think it's going to change too much from last year. His usage as a receiver, does that lead you to be less concerned with that position? Because I know you said you're a little less concerned with receiver than, than some people might be. Yeah, he factors into it. I think Callaway being what he was factors into that a lot. I mean, I don't think any of us were really expecting him to be what he was in the preseason. It's going to be a real good test for him this week against Alexander. I mean, that's one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. So we'll see if he can still get open against that caliber of player. But he's getting open against Lattimore all camp. So I, I'm fairly confident in that. Um, you know, with those two guys, I think you can you can do a lot. Mike Thomas eventually comes back. You could have a decent set of weapons. I, I don't know if it's the ideal group. I don't know if it compares with, you know, other top-end teams. But I think they'll have enough. And I think there's there's just a way around it. And then, look, the other thing is is – Sean Payton gets guys open and we've seen players like Willie Sneed, Lance Moore, that weren't necessarily the most gifted wide receivers playing this offense, get open, get a lot of yards. They go elsewhere and those, those numbers go away. So I think they'll still manage to get people open. You know, the, the one question is, is they've always had that one player when everything breaks down, whether it's Colston, Jimmy Graham, Mike Thomas, he can get open on his own. We don't know yet if they have that player Callaway, maybe a little bit, but I mean, it, it's going to be it's going to be problematic probably at times, but I don't think it's going to be something that that submarines the season. And I think they'll find a way around it. Game one, Green Bay Packers got to talk about who the opponent is here and what the Saints may face in that, especially with Jameis kind of the ability to go through his reads quickly, making the right decision with the pass rusher like Zadarius Smith and how good the Green Bay defense can be at times. What are you expecting in that battle? Yeah, I don't want to give like the cop-out cliche answer here, but I kind of feel like the thing with the Saints this week is really just about them. And there's just so much we don't know about them yet. This is the first game in 15 years where, you know, the, the guy that was the face of the team was as synonymous as, as the team logo. Now he's gone. Like, can Jameis be the player that that he was through camp in the preseason if he is? I mean, I think they have a shot in this game. If, if that stuff's problematic, it, it's going to be tough. And like you said, they got a good defense. It's a team that's been around, you know, together for a while. So I don't think they're going to have, you know, the, the the early issues that you see with a lot of teams, you know, trying to forge an identity like they're, they're ready to roll. So it's going to be a really tough game. Um, you know, I, I just think, like, can they cover, you know, is, is Paulson Adebo ready to play? I mean, it's just really like one of those internal things that I just don't know that that you can really like delve into it until you know, the guy that's handling the ball every snap for the Saints, we don't know what he is. I mean, it's just so hard to to, to prospect what this game's going to look like until we know what the Saints are. How much does this game being in Jacksonville Stadium, kind of on the road for both teams, change the dynamic of this matchup? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, the Saints in the Superdome, that's like one of the, the you know, they got a college atmosphere there. I was actually um, a little surprised that Jacksonville was the venue. I, I thought like an indoor stadium would suit the Saints maybe. Mm -hmm. a little bit better, but I guess maybe you slow down their offense a little bit being outside on, on natural grass, which could be good for a secondary that, that has some issues uh, that they need to overcome and figure out. So, I mean, yeah, but taking it out of the Superdome, I mean, man, the new Orleans crowd in that stadium, 
they've been waiting a whole year just to, to see their team now like they're still gonna wait probably until you know hopefully that Giants game it looks like things are coming back quick enough that that's maybe uh realistic but yeah I mean them in that stadium I mean they're gonna lose that advantage and there's a lot of Wisconsin people that transplanted to Florida so it's gonna be interesting to see what that crowd looks like and these were the top two teams in the NFC last year. What is the rivalry between these two teams? I mean, they played last year, and the Saints actually had a chance to win that game until Taysom Hill uh, had a fumble. So, I mean, it was it was a close game then. And, yeah, I mean, look, the two, two of the better teams in the conference, they're always going to be circling that game and kind of looking at one another. And it's, I think this is kind of a, a good measuring stick for the Saints just right away coming out of the gates, like, there isn't going to be any like, oh, well, they played this team. Like if the Saints play well, I think that it's a big confidence booster for the fans, for the team itself, just to kind of know that they proved it against you know, probably the team that, that might be favored to win the NFC this year. So it's it's a good starting point for them. Uh, you know, maybe you you ideally have a ramp up game before playing the best. But I mean, it's a good way to come out and kind of just find out what you are right away and and know what you need to fix moving forward. Speaking of finding out who you are, JD referred to you as Machete. I don't know. I'm new around here. So what, what the heck is that? You got to ask him that. <laughs> See, well, it, it probably should be Machete. It just came out that way. It probably should be Ginsu or something. <laughs> is people will get a little smart with Nick from time to time on Twitter. And <laughs> he will chop them up pretty good as a reply. But I don't even know if they know they've been chopped. You know, so it's, it's kind of subtle and you've got to understand it. And it's one of those things where before they under, even understand what's happening, they probably have been fatally wounded and they got <laughs> what it was. And so I started calling him machete. It, it probably should have been something more subtle. But, you know, that day it was just machete and it's just it, it's stuck. And we're so OK with this nickname. Uh, you know, I'll wear it. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, you know, you, you can't start out with one nickname and then change it. So I couldn't, you know, it was too late when I thought about it. I was like, you know, that sounds a lot more brutal than it should be. But once I'd done it, I couldn't go back and change it to something else because it would have made me look indecisive. So I just stayed with it. There you go. Well, Nick, just overall in game one, what would it look like for this to be a success? For the Saints obviously a win but if if that's not the end product what are we looking for yeah I, th I think you know starting out Jameis Winston executes the offense well there aren't you know a lot of bad decisions you know I, I think it's okay if there's a turnover as long as it isn't you know the nature of it makes sense like people forget before 2017 Breeze used to throw like 15 interceptions a year so it's okay if he has a few throughout the season just not too many um you know defensively cornerback holds up defensive tackle it isn't just you know, in an open area for, for running plays. So these decent run defense, not getting, you know, aired out too bad by Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get some plays, but just not too many explosive plays. And Jameis Winston looking solid. A win obviously would be great, but if you can kind of start out in those areas, this is a game where I think you can lose it and recover and, and still, you know, be decent going forward. But those are the three major areas of uh, focus for me. Thanks again to Nick Underhill for joining us. He's at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter. You can go to his Twitter page, find out everything you need to know about his hurricane relief fund, donating a lot of money to Second Harvest Food Bank there. So doing a lot of good things for the city. You can catch everything that he does at neworleans.football as he follows the team through the rest of the season. 
And he'll be joined, of course, with John DeSazer there in Jacksonville. I'm Aaron Summers. JD, we have a lot of stuff coming up this week. We're going to be joined by Stacey Dales on Wednesday. She's going to be on the call for this Green Bay New Orleans Saints game on Sunday. And also Tom Rinaldi will join us on Friday. So lots of fun interviews to look forward to on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. You can find that on our website, as well as our fund that was started by Gail Benson to bring relief to the area after Hurricane Ida. Still thinking about everybody in the area and the best wishes with everybody getting back, power's getting back. We're, We're getting back on our feet here in New Orleans and we're getting ready for some football. 